welcome to Blethered. I'm Sean McDonald, and you're listening to my grand's favourite podcast. Well, Super Scoreboard's her favourite podcast, but she quite likes this one as well. This episode is dedicated to the memory of Dean Shades and his friends and family. Uh, Dean isn't somebody that I personally knew. I knew of him, but I've seen the outpouring of love and grief in his local community for those who were and always will be close to him, and uh, it's impossible not to be moved by it. Uh, it's times like these that people in Glasgow come together, as demonstrated multiple times since he passed away, uh, and I just wanted to show a wee bit of solidarity. I know how it feels. Um, you will get through it. Lean on the people around you. And remember, memories, love, never fades, only gets stronger. God bless. Welcome to episode eight. This episode is with Rachel Jackson. Rachel is a Scottish actress and comedian. She'd be recommended by quite a few people. Uh, I asked her to come on. She very kindly said yes. Um, this was great fun. Rachel is genuinely one of the most energetic, nicest people you could meet. Uh, so I genuinely had a great time recording it. This was the first episode recorded in a proper sort of studio space. So there's no hoovers, no cocktails, no waitresses interrupting. How dare they? Uh, and a big thanks to Ross Calder for that, by the way. Ross, legend. Ross sorted out the studio space, um, and I think we'll be working together a wee bit in the future. So, cheers, mate. In this episode, I'll give you a rundown of what to expect. We talk about Rachel's start in acting. Uh, she's close friends with Karen Gillan, uh, and she had a part in her directorial debut. Uh, the party's just beginning. She didn't get that just because she's her pal. Maybe it helped. I'm joking, it never. Uh, she's in Beats. That's coming out in cinemas. UK wide in May. Rachel will tell you when, I think. Uh, she is a, a stand-up comedian. She's very funny. She's got a show that's at the Glasgow International Comedy Festival this year, 2019. Ah, it's 2019. It's called Slutty Little Goldfish. She has been in loads of stuff as well. Darren Brown, Still Game, Two Doors Down, Outlander. We talk about all that. Uh, we talk about our experiences as a woman in comedy. Oh, it's a very male-dominated segment of the entertainment industry, so that was quite interesting. Uh, we talked a bit about social media. I suppose, like, the sort of slick way is, I would say, like, people's online persona behind a screen, but really it's just we spoke about how people are pure shitebags on social media in a way... Well, shitebags in real life, and they're not shitebags on social media, if that makes sense. Um, also spoke... Uh, did, did you ever think your life was the Truman Show when you were wee? Because I did. And I would like to know. I bet I'm not. Not like when people say, am I the only one who breathes oxygen? No. Everybody, shop. That was one of the questions. Anyway, ignore that. I could easily edit this, but I'm not going to. Um, I have to say, sorry about my voice. I was just coming off the back of the flu. I was... I was quite ill. I probably still sound quite ill. Anyway, enjoy the podcast. See you later. Welcome, Rachel, to Blethered. Thanks Hello. for joining. <laughs> Thanks for having me. Magic, uh, how are you? I'm really good. Manic as ever, but good. Hi, a bit of a rush to get here. Yeah, I was on my bike cycling all the way because it's so hilly, Glasgow, isn't it? It's the, My the, goodness. the glamorous side, and it, running about for. Were you, did you have an interview? I had coming? an interview before I came here. Although it's sort of um, I think about acting and all that. It sounds all glamorous, but actually it's like I've managed to put all this onto one day, mm-hmm. and then tomorrow I'll be sat watching Jeremy Kyle, <laughs> you know, eating dairy milk. What, like. is, what is a typical? I suppose it's not a typical day, but That's what's it. your sort of typical? period of like before, during and after a job. Yeah. Like, obviously it's not your normal nine to five. Yeah, so you, you go for the audition or like a lot of time now it's self tape. So you just get sent like a scene to do and you, mm-hmm. you tape it on your iPhone and you you know, you try and make it as good as possible, you send it off and then you play the waiting game and then sometimes you have to do recalls and like for beats especially that was the most intense audition process I'd ever gone mm-hmm. through. They put us through the fucking ringer. Mm-hmm. With that one, it was like recalls, chemistry reads, no, that's the wrong character, try this one. It was uh, like wild. Let's talk about that then. Yeah. So you're, you've got a part in Beats, mm-hmm. and it's made by 16 films. Mm-hmm. So for anybody that doesn't know, 
16 films is Ken Loach, basically, and they've made... Well, my favourites, uh, The Angel Share, mm. Sweet 16, A Fond Kiss. Like, how did that kind of come about, getting that role? Yeah, so, like, they were one of the producers of it, and um, Steven Soderbergh's, like, the executive producer of it, so it's been kind of cool getting to throw these massive mm-hmm. names out. But, um, yeah, so it's basically every Scottish act in the world was going up for beats. Right. Like, because, obviously, there's so many different parts in it, and, like, the older and the younger, so it was, like, every Scottish act in the world were trying to get their teeth into to this movie, mm-hmm. you know? Um, but it was just so intense. There was just so many additions for it, and... It was wild. <laughs> you must be absolutely delighted, though, to be getting oh, that part. Honestly, even now, when I like, I remember the day I got the phone call, I'll cry thinking about it because it was just like, <sighs> as an actor, yeah, it was so many low points. Like, I've lived in like bed sets with there's cockroaches everywhere and mm-hmm. sleeping with people that don't like me back. You know, just awful times in my life. And then getting a call saying you've got a role in, in this piece, it makes all the shit worth it. Do you mm-hmm. think, or has has there been anything that's come off the back of that, like further opportunities? Because I mean, it's so it's. Premier and is it the Glasgow Film Festival yeah, this year? Yeah, this, this Sunday, in fact, yeah. Right, okay. It's going to be on, and um, yeah, and then it's also been at, um, what much I say, Rotterdam Film Festival, and I don't know, I'm, I'm praying it'll get into Cannes, but we don't know yet, because that's like the, t- you know, top dog yeah. if you get into Cannes, it's like, because I think quite a few Ken Lynch's films before have gotten into Cannes, mm-hmm. and then, um, and then yeah, it's going to be on general release on the 17th of May, Right. so it'll be all, in all the cinemas and that so so we can come and see come yeah. and see it man rave it up I can take a pill go and see Beats <laughs> <laughs> right so that's yeah. kind of is that like your highest point so far I in your career I think so yeah and the party's just beginning as well um, and, and it's quite funny because they came like straight after each other so then I'm like that I'm, I'm a don I fucking made it you know because it was like for an actor to get one job's good enough and then Aye. it was like pretty much like a few days after I'd finished filming Karen's film was the, the additions for Beats and when I first saw the breakdown scene, they wanted these crazy kind of raver types. Uh-huh. I was like, come on. I played myself. <laughs> yeah, you just like invite them out on a night out as <laughs> like, like your audition. In fact, it's quite funny because when I first went to the audition, I met Brian Welsh, who's a director, and he's so cool. Uh-huh. He's from Falkirk, and he's like, proper, like, you know what I mean? Eh? Like, he's so jokes. And, uh, and I was like, because um, I was going for the role of Cat, and she's kind of mm. like the party animal of the film. And, and so I sit down, right? I've never done this in addition to my life, but I sat down and I went, I've got to be in this film. And I like lent in, like stared at him. <laughs> and he was like, well, because uh, you know, some people would be like, fuck that, it's a bit Aye. fucking intense. But he was like, nah, I mean, to be fair, I'm, I'm trying to find her. So, you know. And, and I was like, I am, I'm cat, I'm, I'm fucking cat. And he was like, how are you a party animal? And I was like, eh, no, I'm not, not really. <laughs> I, know, I'll be, I swear I'll be on set every morning. <laughs> so it was like I'd already fucked it for myself, like, because that character was written as uh-huh. just like a pure mad party head kind of thing. And I was like, no, I don't really party much. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm born to play this role. So, um, But yeah, I ended up getting a different part. So it all worked out in the end. I saw that Brian Welsh directed an episode of Black Mirror. Aye, the best one as well. What, was you it a complete the, history of you? Aye, the Toby Cavell and Jodie Whittaker aye, one. Yeah. That's really cool. Yeah. So, those two have kind of... The other one, I suppose we should say, is Karen Gillan's mm. directorial debut. Yeah. And that's called The Party's Just Beginning. Mm. So that premiered... Is that last year, Glasgow yeah, Film Festival? Yeah, it premiered last year at the Glasgow Film Fe- Festival, and then it went to Tribeca in New York, and wow. and then it went to a couple of other festivals. And But the only annoying thing about that is it got um, released in America, mm-hmm. but it's not had release here yet. That's strange. It's, it's shit, because it's... Am I allowed to swear, by the way? Oh, I fucking well, I see God. what the fuck you want. It's my podcast. <laughs> like, cut, cut, cut. <laughs> <laughs> just, just checking, because you know when you first do it, and you think, oh, God, what's the Aye. reaction to that? It's but, like when you meet new people, and you like yeah, drop no. a wee swear word, like, can I, I say know. this, just to see how they react? Just to see they react. Nah, we just say whatever the fuck we want on it. So, like, my, I mean, my mum and my gran and all that, listen, oh, and I get they? pulled up now really? and again, but they can fuck off as well. No, I'm sorry, I'm joking, I'm joking. <laughs> sorry, Sean's family, I, I won't swear again. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, but, you can't make any promises. Um, but what was I saying about um, about it's not out in uh, the UK oh yet. yeah and it's, it's it's just a bit crap because it's like it's a Scottish film Karen's obviously a really successful actress mm-hmm. and director and writer and all that and, and obviously it's set in Inverness so it's like you know it'd be a brilliant Scottish Aye. film to have on show here and um, I don't know what's happened with the distribution, but it was shown in America. It was, it's been on iTunes, but not iTunes UK, only iTunes America. Yeah, that's weird. So you can even watch it if you wanted to over here, which is shit. That yeah, is. So yeah. acting then. Yeah. We'll, we'll talk about your stand-up comedy, but you started acting. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like what? What? What kind of motivated you to get into it? Something? Has it been a passion? Or? Yeah, just all my life since I was a little, tiny little girl. It was just that was it, and no one could. You know, my parents are. Because obviously working class outskirts of Edinburgh, like you don't see it. It's not like mm-hmm. anyone around the corner is like a famous ah, actor. Yeah. It's just not the way. But my parents were so encouraging from such an early age, and 
I, I, I dread to think if they hadn't been because maybe I would have just given up if they were like oh Rachel don't be ridiculous mm-hmm. you know so many parents can be like yeah. that about their kids dreams I think it's disgusting but they were so like you go for it girlfriend aye, amazing <laughs> which uh, aye so just since I was little I can't tell you where it came from aye. I can't tell you what it was that sparked it but um, aye I, just, I was just obsessed Titanic came out when I was like 11 mm-hmm. and I watched that on v- VCR <laughs> like a million times and then the year that it won all the Oscars when it won like 11 Oscars me and my brother taped it and we would watch it every day like it was like I just loved the uh, whole Hollywood and films and I, just, I remember seeing that as well oh, was it 97 that it 97, came out? 97 man <laughs> the golden age of cinema <laughs> <laughs> so did you did you go to like a drama club or like yeah, I went to um, LYT, it was called, um, Lyceum Youth Theatre, which mm-hmm. was the sort of, uh, sort of top one in Edinburgh to go to. So you're going to say Lyceum Young Team now? Yeah, Lyceum Young, LYT, <laughs> <laughs> like in more ways than one, fucking loving life. But uh, nah, so that was, um, I was like 15 when I started that, and, and again, that was probably one of my first experiences of like like differences of class, because most of the people that went there, like went to all the private schools in Edinburgh, mm-hmm. like the George Heriots and the St George's and the... You know, George Watson's, they all sound the same, don't I they? It's the same fucking film. They've always got, like, school. this is probably quite classist of me, but they've always got, like, surnames as first names. Aye, and a double so barrel, true. like... Frederick and aye, stuff. Like, Strewn and Barclay and Campbell and all that. Like, why do these all get surnames? Yeah, that's such a, th- a funny point, actually, yeah. And I, f- I feel like, although when you're 15, it's like with race. I think, you know, when you're young, you don't even know what racism is because mm-hmm. you just, you see someone as them, you don't uh-huh. see their colour. And then I think it's the same with like class. You don't really think about it mm-hmm. until you're older. Now that I look back, I'm like, ah, yeah. that was my first experience of just meeting people with money and people that had had it maybe easier. Mm-hmm. And you know, do you, do you think? I mean, I, th- I I'm probably stating the obvious here. Do you think it is a lot harder to succeed in the arts if you're for the working class? You don't have like yeah. a safety net. One hundred percent. And I feel like it's at least it's getting talked about more now. But mm-hmm. it's the same with like you know any any job, not just the arts, but you know this whole internship thing. Oh, and it's like, well, you have to move to London for two months, and if you can't afford it, then fuck you. <laughs> yeah. And it's sort of like, okay, so Tom Hiddleston and stuff can do that. Like yeah, people, yeah. you know, who've been to Eton and their parents have a trust fund and they can afford to live, you know, in London for two months without being paid. But for the rest of us, that's not any sort yeah, of reality. It's it's totally impossible. So I feel like, um, not that you have to do internships with acting, but I suppose moving to London to be an actor is a bit of an internship because you've just got to sit and work in a shitty job to afford your rent mm-hmm. and then be free to be able to go to auditions and just go for anything and so it's it's so hard and I feel like it drains out Aye. you know the people that just can't afford to mm-hmm. live and like that like you saying for the process for Beats was constant recalls mm. like different screen tests and whatever like it must be quite demoralising you've got to work you've got to keep going back so you don't get something yeah. and I'm not saying everything should be handed no, to somebody easily no. but there is a bit of a balance needed yeah there? and I think it's like well, I suppose any actor would tell you that there's always highs and lows and if you believe in yourself you always kind of have to see through the tough times the cockroaches and right. you know the horrible bedsits and that you kind of have to believe in yourself enough to go this isn't the end of it I can get I can get where I want to be but like you say it's hard it can be demoralising when you when you think you're really talented but you're just getting rejection after rejection mm-hmm. and I actually met with um like a guy in London who's sort of uh, like a manager recently who was saying that he was like I, I, he said that he sat in an audition process one day he said, every actor was amazing but obviously only one can get it mm-hmm. so it's like you always come away if you don't get a part and you think oh well I'm shit they hate me Aye. and it's just never the case it's like just someone looked more like the guy playing the dad or Aye. you know I was going to say it may just be that you know the, the image that they've got is yeah. just it ties in with a certain person and that's it you can't change Aye. well you can do a Christian Bale and change the way you look but <laughs> I, know, I know he's like a mad chameleon isn't he? he's got the money and time to be able to do all that <laughs> so what what was your first role that you got God, I can't even remember in terms of like <coughs> excuse me in terms of theatre I did like my first professional role was, was looking at a wee, it was like a wee play like a two week thing in Edinburgh and it was like performed at dance base and like, it wasn't even a big deal, but it felt like that. Because, you know, to even be paid as an actor mm-hmm. is like a big deal. You're like, oh my God, I'm making money from this. So that was, like, my first theatre job. And then my first telly job, I did an advert. It was, like, the Boots Christmas advert. Right. I don't know if you remember that one from 2007. It was like, here come the girls. I think do I remember? do. I think I do. <laughs> yeah. And you, you did the Iron... What was the Iron Brew advert? Because yeah. I have hunted for it. Oh, but I have I you? I can't find can't it. I can't find it. But I don't know if I'm just not looking hard it's enough. The, if anyone at home wants to watch it, it's the 2011. So it's um, Iron Brew advert 2011. And it's like the summer one, and it's like it's a cartoon body, but my head. Right, okay. <laughs> and it's just, um, it's Paul Nutini's song, you know that, um, 
fistful full of leather. But you know, uh, pencil full of leather. Pencil full of leather. Fistful, uh, you know uh, what I mean? <laughs> Where it's like, and it's just like daft. It's like that old kind of like, you know, like summer on the beach, like daft. Right, okay. I'll yeah, share it's, it. good, it's a good laugh. Oh, you'll have to. It's a good laugh. Um, but yeah, and then my first like telly job was this thing called Emo, and it was a short film for Channel 4. Right. And I was only 20, and like they were advertising for Scottish actors for this like London film, and then... Um, I kind of begged the casting director to see me and, and I managed to get it and I just in the Boots advert so it was a bit like that thing if I did the Boots advert and then I did the short film for Channel 4 and I'm saying to everyone the rest of you can go home motherfuckers like I've made it uh, and then like didn't work for a year like you know uh, it's, just, uh, it's just the uh, way it goes like so you have to have a fucking thick skin to survive this business aye I can imagine yeah. and have you like have you ever had any sort of prejudice or I don't want to say discrimination as if it's like race mm. but based on your accent because it's obviously a very regional accent yeah, you know what? Not really. I think as long as you can do other accents, it's not a problem. Mm-hmm. I don't. Th- I haven't found any snobbery, or maybe behind the scenes they're like, "Well, fuck her, she's Scottish." Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I haven't ever faced that personally. I think um, as long as you can do a good English accent and a good London, and you know, as long as you can do them, like there's no reason why they shouldn't mm-hmm. see you for those roles. Um, but it's definitely something worth thinking about because. Imagine they were saying that behind your back. Like, well, she's Scottish, she's not even invited in. I <laughs> know. <laughs> oh, nobody will ever understand her, what she's saying. Exactly. Uh, what about, and I'm just diving straight into a pretty intense subject, because mm-hmm. you spoke about in your stand-up show, Slutty Little Goldfish. Yeah. So that was at the Fringe. So, no, I've not t- I'm taking no. it to this year's Fringe. I've, right, okay. I've, I've only just started sort of debuting it. I've done it at right. um, the Tron in Glasgow. But, yeah, I'm going to be taking it to this year's Fringe. And in that, you kind of touch on the Harvey Weinstein scandal yes. and the whole Me Too yeah, movement. Yeah, We'll hear about that because that is really funny. <laughs> yeah. But as I say about diving just straight in. Yes. What like a like? goldfish would. <laughs> Aye, exactly. But then he would forget what he was there exactly. for. Exactly. <laughs> what is it like as a woman in the industry? And I know that's a very vague question, mm. but like, what sort of challenges do you come up yeah. against? Or have you had your own Me Too yeah. moment? I haven't had, in fact, my worst Me Too moment was from another woman. Oh, really? uh, not from a man so I've never had and it wasn't like a sexual thing it was um, just like horrible um, so it's sort of like I've never I've never had like touch wood I've never been treated mm-hmm. like sexually as an object by a man in the industry or, or really anything like that or any inappropriate kisses or there was one actually in LA I met with this manager a few months ago and he was a creepy bastard oh, really? and I thought haven't you read the papers mate haven't I know, you seen like, your Twitter timeline I know you're like behind them going mate like don't I, do it and like, read the room man know, and it was he was just creepy like the whole interview was like so like you know because I was obviously going to see about him rep- representing me over yeah. there and, and he was like at one point I was talking about something really serious <coughs> and it, we're, we're all coughing here we're like the coughing oh, <laughs> no I was the same I'm like I was like, you know when it feels all tickling, you're like, oh That's no. aye, I'm coming <laughs> off the back of the flu and it's oh, just that wee cough yeah, killing wee tickling. Oh, honestly. But, but um, aye, I was talking about something really serious about my career and about, you know, whatever. And he was like, do you have a boyfriend? You're just so hot. He's like, I can't stop looking at your eyes, man. And I was like, you know, you're like, oh my God, like, how inappropriate I know, is that? like, chill out. But fucking... <laughs> 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 No, but you like, what else do you like? <laughs> I know, like, you know, but it was just, I couldn't believe it. I'd never in my life... Um, you know, we put that, and then at the end, when I when I um, said bye and all that, I was trying to get out, and he like did that thing when he kissed me on the cheek, but he went like into my mouth, like it what? was like, like uh, it was. Is scary. he just like fucking oblivious to the fact <laughs> that he's in public? I don't know. I, I I don't know. I think the the times up movement has not reached that man yet. Uh, I do this thing like so I've lived in Spain for like the past five nice. years, and over there, I quickly learned if you shake a woman's hand, or if you don't give the two kisses on the cheek, it's actually viewed as really rude. Like somebody said to me once before, like, because I was really sheepish and I like, did I just yeah. moved over, did the two kisses, and I but shook. It seems up. a bit intense. I so I shook this woman's hand and she's like, "What's wrong with me? Like, what's the problem with me?" But then when you flip that round, like, see, whenever <laughs> I come here, yeah. I always lean in to kiss people because so if I'm back in Scotland yeah, or if yeah, I'm in London, yeah. and then I become aware of my own <laughs> rapiness. I'm like, I, <laughs> my own I, I, I swear <laughs> to God, like. Like, I'm just used yeah. to giving people a kiss. Yeah. It, it seems a bit weird. Yeah. To be honest, I've always quite liked that. I've never found that a creepy thing. Uh, like I feel like it's just, uh, yeah, I I just it's be- warm. I, I become very aware that the other person hasn't reciprocated. And then it just looks oh, as if I've like, really? slowly leaned in. And I like, also do this, like my part of my brain, or like there's a wee angel on my shoulder yeah. going, by the way, don't, you're not in Spain, but I just you're ignore it. So I'm just aware of the yeah, voice yeah. telling me not to do it, and then I do it, and I'm like, why didn't I let, like, But why? then you'll look like a weirdo if you start going, shut up, Angel, from Spain! <laughs> <laughs> I know, I know. Shut up. <laughs> you know? Um, I think it'd be quite 
Actually, I should say then, if the show's coming up, so where can people see you? The Slitter so, Little Goldfish? Yeah, it's coming to Glasgow uh, Comedy Festival on Sunday the 24th of March at Blackfriars at 7.30 start. Right. And it's an hour long, it's really good fun, it totally pokes fun at all sides of that whole mm-hmm. Me Too, Time's Up thing. The abusers, the abused, everyone. Because at the end of the day, it's stand-up. I don't consider myself a political comedian. Right. Although I'm talking about, I suppose, very serious political things. Yeah. It's a comedy show. Yeah. And I want people to laugh and have a good time and not yeah. leave like, oh, well, that was a bit dark. <laughs> like, you know, Were you a bit depressed? A bit depressed. That's not the kind of comedian I am. I'm not trying to be really big and clever. I just want to make people roll about laughing, cry laughing, yeah. have fun. For anybody thinking about coming who's on the fence, um, part of the, and sorry for retelling it, because it's obviously funnier when you say it, but... <laughs> Oh, would you like to explain the gist of the chasing Harvey Weinstein around the room? <laughs> yeah, it's kind of like talking about that I, I'm hoping that no one else has touched on yet because there's been obviously so much material about Louis C.K. and uh, Kevin, um, what was his name, Kevin Spacey and yeah. Kevin, um, uh, sorry, Harvey Weinstein, you know, all these kind of creepy bastards and everyone's been sort of like making jokes about it but I felt like there's not been the point of view yet of being like, what if you were the desperate little actress who was just like, give me a part, give me a part, like chasing Harvey around, like, do you want a massage, man? <laughs> <laughs> and, and actually like freaking out Harvey Weinstein, like the only like, girl in Hollywood to get a knockback from Harvey Weinstein. You know, and I thought because obviously my previous show was called Bunny Boiler and mm-hmm. that was obviously really intense about my love life and all that, but again, just like funny. Uh-huh. But um, so I suppose it's like that character again of like just like the mad intense girl that even Harvey Weinstein's freaked out by, like shutting his hotel room, like, no meetings tonight. I don't know, like putting the police on you to come <laughs> and get you away and all that. You know, getting a restraining order from Harvey Weinstein would be pretty impressive. <laughs> I know. The, uh, you were nominated for a spotlight. Prize for acting in yeah, 2015. Yeah. How? What? What's the deal with that? Like it. So it's basically like it's um it's like this big drama school prize. So every drama school in the country in their like their third year, like the like the the year who's graduating, hmm. they pick I suppose who they consider to be their most promising student. And um, so each drama school picks one, and you go to this big fancy ceremony in London, and you all have to do like a monologue, um, and just sort of. <coughs> Yeah, just act your little socks off, basically. And mm-hmm. so Ro- I went to Rose Bruford, and no one's ever heard of it, but Gary Oldman went there. So that's, you right. know, it's like, come on, man. We can Did touch you know <laughs> that Gary Oldman's sister uh-huh. is yeah. Big Mo yeah. in EastEnders? I know. How fucking mental it's is it? It's trippy as anything when you think about it, eh? That's like, I, I mean, no disrespect to Big Mo. She's doing well for herself in EastEnders, but when your brother's Gary Oldman, like, how gutted are you at Christmas and dinner? <laughs> when I like, ask him what you're up to, and he's like fucking winning Oscars and all that. And she's like, yeah, still in the pub. <laughs> <laughs> but in all fairness to her she's in the new Hellboy oh shit watch the trailer she's like got a fucking machete or whatever she's like in a chippy she's like fucking that's bizarre so she's you know she's crawling up now behind uh, finally getting there finally getting to Hollywood man <laughs> did the spotlight prize because from, from what I gather it's mm. quite like a highly regarded yeah. accolade. Well, it, I suppose it is in the drama school world, and, and I suppose in the industry a bit, but not many people have heard of it. So, although I think it's really cool and I'm really proud of it, it's not like I'd go into auditions and go, "So, uh, you heard about the?" Uh, <laughs> <it's not laughs> like, right? They'd be like, "What?" So, um, no, I'm still really proud of myself because obviously you can imagine, like there was 45 people in my year group. Mm-hmm. So the day that that was announced, I felt like I had like an arrow, like on my head. Yeah. Some people couldn't even talk to me the day that it was announced because they just, you know. Because everyone wants it. Yeah. And it's just that way. Don't get me wrong, there were some really nice people at my drama school who came up to me, shook my hand, well done, like, you know. But some people wouldn't even look at me that day. It was horrible. What is that competitive edge like? Because it seems to me really a false cutthroat environment at times. Dark. And especially at drama school, when when you imagine you've been there three years... Um, there's a lot of people there who are the favourites and they've been told they're going to be the next Tom Hiddleston or mm-hmm. Michael Fassbender or Keira Knightley. Like, they are gassed from the moment they arrive. And so for someone else, like the wee working class Scottish girl, to come in and get it is probably a bit like, but, but it was meant to be me. And Aye. there's a lot of ego and a lot of jealousy. And that day, it was, one of, it was like one of the best days of my life, but also one of the hardest because I felt like I wasn't even allowed to be happy. Mm-hmm. Like I, obviously, I wouldn't yeah. go up and be like, way! Because like, that's not nice, but you want to be a, a good winner or whatever, but... Honestly, some of the looks I was getting are people who couldn't even look at me. It was that way of like, no. I was walking, oh, you're like, and then like we just walk away as if I'd, it wasn't there. It was horrible. And it's, I mean, not only that, then dealing with that with your peers, but you said before that you tend not to look at reviews that you get. Mm. So you're getting it for, for all angles. Although you did say that you sometimes read your two star reviews as well. Is that <laughs> yeah. to keep you on? Oh, totally. Well, you know what? The List magazine came to see Bunny Boiler. And I didn't, I didn't read any of the bad ones at the time, right? I only read the fours and five stars, because obviously, why would you want to read a bad Aye. review at the time of doing it? 
But then a couple months after, once I'd sort of, you know, gotten over the fringe and back to normal life, I thought, fuck it, let's see what the list said. <sighs> and you know what? I even retweeted it and all that because it was the kindest two-star review I think I've ever read. Mm-hmm. Like, it wasn't bitchy, it wasn't horrible. They personally didn't like the show. Yeah. But they didn't feel the need to slight me as an actress or a comedian or, you know, because so many reviews, and I, I read the best um, quote about reviews, they say that a reviewer reveals everything about themselves and nothing about the thing they're reviewing. Uh, and I think that's such a good way of looking at it. Like, they'll, they'll hate a film and they'll be like, I hate it because I, you know, me, me, me. Uh, rather than just actually analysing the project. Uh-huh. But this list thing, it was like, it was saying, I think Rachel was really talented and funny, but just didn't actually like this show. Mm-hmm. I was like, well, fair play. Fair enough. You know, fair play. When, uh, actually, what I wanted to ask about mm. as well, working with Karen Gillan, mm. what was that like? Because obviously a very big name. Oh, she, I've known Karen for a long time. We were friends for years, like, even before she did Doctor Who. Right. And she'd, she had this part written for me, like, five years ago, not oh. even longer now. So it was that way that... Um, it was really nice because that often never happens. Like, it's just been kind of given apart. Like, mm-hmm. you normally have to go through so many hoops to get it. But she's, like, not only is she a friend, but I really respect her as a colleague and a, as a director. Mm-hmm. This was her first thing, but she was amazing because she's been on so many sets. That's what Jonah Hill said recently because now he's just directed his first film that mm-hmm. was opening the Glasgow Film Festival. And he said that um, he's always wanted to be a director and all his other films when he's been working with because he worked with Martin Scorsese on yeah. Wall Street he said that's been his personal film school working with these like industry dons yeah. and I think Karen's probably had a bit of that like even subconsciously working with all these amazing directors and she'd obviously always wanted to try it and just been around you know and thinking fuck it I can mm-hmm. do this so she already came with such an amazing she didn't seem inexperienced she didn't seem nervous bearing in mind she was playing the lead role and she'd written the damn thing it yeah. was like my god she was just you know wearing all these different hats I've done a lot done a lot but she was just so brilliant really good fun really professional and because she's an actress as well she gets how to direct actors mm-hmm. she's not like just we'll just fucking cry why, why aren't you crying because <laughs> yeah, yeah. I've worked with directors like that they're like why aren't you crying you can do it on cue yeah and you're like whoa give me you know help me you're my director I need to find it but how, she was brilliant how do you do that because I've always wondered if I would like if, I, if it was me yeah. I would need to stand yeah. And think of the most horrendous thing to bring me to tears. Yeah. How do you, like how do you summon that? Do you want me to show you? We'll, we'll do it right now on the podcast. Little world exclusive. Right. Okay. I've got a thing called tear stick. You're gonna be amazed at this. Okay, it's in my makeup bag. Right. Oh, so this is like. I know you fit. can't see it. Sorry. So Rachel's going into her yeah, bag. Yes, so I'm going into my bag. It's like those police tapes, you know, where it's like for the tape. She is. <laughs> yeah, yeah, she yeah. is nodding. <laughs> so I have a little thing, and I know some actors might kill me for this like for revealing this like a industry secret but obviously and sometimes you can't oh it's falling out sometimes you can see it looks like a lipstick sometimes right. you can cry naturally uh-huh. sorry, I'm getting a tickly throat again <coughs> and absolutely it's great but sometimes you need a little help right like I'm crying now from coughing <laughs> <laughs> just make sure you've got a really tickly throat okay do you want to try it as well should we both do it okay right this is a wee bit of a bit of an impromptu so you just take a tiny little bit as if it's just like you know like a wee just bit edge of your finger edge so, of your finger kind of wipe it into your thumb and your forefinger so for people listening I'm holding what is essentially a bit of lipstick uh-huh. and it looks like a stick of butter or Vaseline or something so I'm rubbing a bit on my fingers on my thumb and right. then maybe I don't know I don't know if we've got enough you need you do need a little bit so make sure you can really feel it yeah. oh my god you're going to be this too much oh shit <laughs> you're going to be streaming it doesn't hurt right. and then what you do is you kind of um, go like that along the sort of um, lid, the right. eyelid, right along, okay. right along to the corners of your eye, mm-hmm. and just maybe hold it for a wee second, and then look up. Oh my god! <laughs> doesn't hurt. Right, though, does I know. It? I just didn't expect. You didn't that. expect it. Do you know what it's like? My eyes are streaming now. Oh, sorry, feels, man. You've got feels... a tiny bit on your nose oh, at the top. Oh shit! It feels like um, somebody has been like chewing, chewing gum, and then they're blowing in your eyes. Do you see? All right, so and we're then, both crying. See, look at my eyes now. And then, so imagine suddenly the camera's on me uh-huh. and my dad's died. Yeah, shit. And then you get to... Oh, sorry. Sorry. <laughs> you weren't Well, expecting. basically, I'm ready for my first see? acting job now. See? And then, look, it very slowly starts to... Yeah. Oh, yeah, it's coming out your eyes. It's coming out my eye now. It's a shame this isn't a video. I know. And um, and you know it's that way. Oh my god! The thing is, you still have to be a good actor. So I don't, yeah. I don't even consider. Oh god, I'm sorry. That's all right. <laughs> Especially when you've been ill and now you're like mentalised. It's but... like oh boo hoo, my daddy's gone. <laughs> For the tape, Sean's now burying his face in his uh, like jumper. Oh, 
that is stigma. I was see, I'm, I'm, more, you, I'm more hardcore. Look at me. You don't see me. You've done this before. You know, I'm just sitting here. But I'll tell you what. Why this it's is like Louis Theroux <laughs> levels of like throwing yourself into it. <laughs> well, you know what he's like. What's he like? Oh, Louis Theroux. Oh, Aye. sorry. Who do you think I said? I thought you said Louis C.K. No. I love Louis Theroux. He's a good guy. He is, isn't he? <laughs> sorry. He's so... But you see, at least you now know it works. I know. Well, Are you, you alright on a serious note? I <laughs> He's know. got his eyes shut. <laughs> I'll be fine. I need to just let this one this one wear off. You might have to sit this one out. Fucking hell. But just people see, are going to be like, see me walking down the street, like, oh my god, he's, he's really taking it badly that Brendan Rogers is left Celtic, like he's pure in tears. That's see, it. for the record, by the way, I am not like good riddance. <laughs> rat bastard. You total rat. I'm only saying this because my boyfriend's a massive Celtic fan and he's good really, guy. really, yeah, he's disappointed. But, um, Basically, the reason I wanted to talk about this tear stick thing, oh, right, shit. is because it gets a bit of a bad name as if, like, oh, it's like, oh, an actor's cheating or whatever. Is it like an actor's version of, like, anabolic steroids <laughs> or something? <laughs> yeah, like the Olympics or whatever. But I feel like people would be surprised to know that, like, a lot of people do this, and I really don't see it as cheating. See, when you're in harsh conditions and you yeah. just got to cry like that, uh-huh. and it's like, whoa, okay, um, let, let me have a bit of help. Yeah. You've still got to have the emotion, you've still got to... Exactly. Oh my God, Sean, I feel so bad. It's alright, like... it's wearing off though, I can feel it wearing off, it's quite, I'm quite relieved. <laughs> Do you know what it's like? You know how... Um, I'm still... You know. The times when you get a blocked nose, yeah. and you sit there taking for yeah. granted all the times you didn't have a blocked nose. I feel nose. so bad, this was never the intention. <laughs> like the bunny boiler comes on and like ruins Sean's eyesight for life. It will, it. it'll go away in uh, a second. It's, it's definitely fading But away. you see, it's good though, isn't it? It's a good wee tool to have in your purse. It definitely is. Yeah, so... So, is that like a... It's just a kind of go-to. It's just like, it's like anything. Like, if you're, if you're a professional and you, do, you have to go to work every day and you have to get the best results, you use Aye. what's going to help you. Exactly. So, that's what I use. And, um, but then, obviously, you've got to have the emotion behind it because otherwise you would just see someone crying and they would yeah. just look deadpan and it would be like, Honestly, comical. Honestly, never knew that. So, that is really cool, interesting that, that, yeah. you've, that you've shared Yeah, a lot of actors use that. It's a brilliant little tool. Staying on the sort of subject of working, like with Karen, female director mm. and stuff, like, I've spoken to a few people before on previous episodes, and actually I'm about to highlight my own misogyny slightly. Oh, really? Because you're the first female guest. Woo! And that is, for anybody that's wondered, that really has just been a case of availability. Because yeah, yeah. there are more uh, more guests um, lined up ready to come on. It's just the way it's happened. But people that I've spoken to, like Joe, uh, Paul Black, have sort of highlighted the lack of women mm, in comedy mm, especially. Mm. Like what's your, what's do you have any particular yeah, thoughts on that? I don't even think that there's a lack of women. I just think it's a case of them not getting their voices heard as, yeah. as often as men have over the years. And it's you know again, I'm not trying to be political or whatever. It's just the way the way it's sort of fallen that like like I had an interview earlier where she was like because you know quite often on the bill a stand up gig I'm the only girl, mm-hmm. so it's like four or five guys and me. And quite often when you look at other lineups, it's like it's the same. And she was like, oh, but is that maybe just because there's less female comics? I'm like, you only have to go to the Edinburgh Fringe and look through the guide to see that there's hundreds yeah. and hundreds and hundreds of female comics. So there's definitely not a lack mm-hmm. of them. It's just a case of how many of them are getting invited to the big comedy clubs. Yeah. And, you know, and it, is, it is a bit crap when you're in a green room and it's just... I'm from Australia, the land down under. I am from Brazil. Hi, guys. I'm from South Africa. Tell me something. What would you say if you knew the world was listening? My boss and his wife are terrible people. I mean, I love my man and all, don't get me wrong, but dude is worthless. <laughs> get back in the loop on What's the Word, the international show of word of mouth. You can find us by keying in What's the Word at Acorn Studio. Hi, everyone. I'm Kirby. And I'm Sarah. And, and we're Los Angeles. Strivectin is a brand that's long been regarded as top-tier skincare by professionals of all kinds. We personally love how all of Strivectin's products are backed by science. If you're looking for an eye cream to help smooth the appearance of crow's feet and under-eye puffiness, Strivectin's new Intensive Eye Concentrate for Wrinkles Plus is proven to do so starting in just five days. To learn more, visit Strivectin.com. Five guys and you and... You know, not that I love men, they're great, but it'd be nice to have like a, a pal there. A wee pal, like hey. Even if it was four guys and two girls, even, you know, balancing it out a wee bit. So it does get a bit lonely sometimes, you know, because guys can be like, let's, let's, let's. Yeah. <laughs> and it's great, but it's also like, you know, right now I'd love another woman here. I think there is a wee bit, maybe I may be off the mark, but mm. I think there's a bit of societal snobbery towards women oh, in comedy. Oh, yeah. Like back in 2012, I saw Catherine Ryan at the stand. Mm. I thought she was really funny. Yeah. And people, uh, 
I'm aware of people being very dismissive of her. But I mean, now she's got a Netflix oh, special. Oh, she's smashing it now. She was on, I'm pretty sure she was on some show recently. She's on every show now. Aye, but she was on a talk show where I was yeah. like, oh my God. Uh, James yeah. Corden, that's yeah. who she was on with. Oh, right, like what, like the late show? The late show, yeah. In America, that's Aye. a big deal. I know. That. I know, and she's on like, I think, 8 out of 10 cats yeah, and other and shows. Yeah, and Your Face or Mine, and aye, that comedian rap battles, she's aye, everything. She's very funny. Um, so I don't know if there is maybe just like a sometimes an inbuilt prejudice to be like, because you hear people saying it, women aren't funny. Oh my God. Don't really agree with that. It's sort of like, why is that even still like considered a, a thing to, it's you know? Like, uh, it's like saying women aren't good at sport. Yeah. Or women yeah. Know, aren't intelligent. Women can't drive, or you know, all these kind of like, stereotypes or whatever. It's so... To be honest, I think that's dying out a bit. Like, every time, not every time, obviously, I've died on my arse sometimes, but mm-hmm. a lot of the times when I gig at the comedy clubs, and the big, you know, the big ones at the stand, the Goody Balloon, the Glee Clubs, the Comedia down in Brighton, I've had amazing reactions, and people come up to me and go, oh, you're so funny and all that, and there doesn't seem to be like a, oh, I'm quite surprised, because you're a woman. Like, it, there's, there's ne- I've not really felt that. People are really, <laughs> generally really supportive, and... So I feel like the... But then I was talking earlier as well. Amy Schumer, I think, is amazing. I think she's so funny, so talented. She's actress, comedian, writer. She does it all. And you've only got to type her name into Twitter. The hate for Amy Schumer is yeah. crazy. As if she's like Hitler or yeah. Gaddafi or, you know, there's some... It's like Amy Schumer, like, because she's pregnant at the moment. Hope your bear dies inside you, you fucking cunt. That's like, it's, mental. Yeah, it's like, what has Amy Schumer done to deserve, what, apart from tell a few jokes and make a lot of money from doing so? I suppose, like, not that I'm sort of playing down mm. that abuse. If it's come, like, from Twitter, it's just like, I always say it's a congregation place yeah. for the most unhinged people oh, on the planet. God, yeah. Um, but not even Twitter. It's like, it seems to be like, she's just so hated. YouTube, yeah. everyone, everyone calls her a joke thief. And I feel like that was exaggerated a bit because she's got such a big writing team who might mm. have maybe taking inspiration from other ideas and then right. she gets the brunt of it because uh-huh. she's like the face of the brand. Yeah. But I just feel like the the hate that she particularly gets is just mad. Mm-hmm. I'm like, she's a comedian, she's an actress. How can you hate her that much? Like, she's politically yeah. evil. Or So I feel like there's still a way to go, but we're definitely going in the right way. The only thing that really bothers me at the moment, I'll tell you about the whole women thing, is you hear all these commissioners like, we're dying for female talent and, you know, we want more female-led things and... But they keep saying need rather than want. We're like, we need more women. Uh, yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Why, we have why? to fill our quota. Yes. And, and that's, we can get yeah. some more dark-skinned ones uh-huh, as well. Right. Yes. And you know, you know, you just think, oh my God, you don't even want us. You just mm-hmm. want to look like you're not arseholes. Aye. And that's what bothers me more. I think there's a good joke in there about, you know, women like being told. And then you're saying, yeah, but do you want me there? Yeah. Or are you just saying you want me there? Yeah, exactly. I know. It is. It's crazy. Um... Our friend Joe, producer Joe, oh, yeah, really, yeah, yeah. he has. Like, he was saying that he was involved in the casting of the state of it, mm. and he's a big champion for women mm. in comedy and TV. Mm. How's how has it been working on the state of it? And are you excited for yeah, the new series? It was great fun doing it, and it was nice to just be offered something again rather than having to go through all the auditions. And yeah. it's lovely because obviously Joe's uh, met me on Scott Squad, and I've um, met Robert Florence a few times, and hmm. he said he wanted to work with me. So it was nice that they brought me on board for that without all the hassle of. But you have to audition for us. Right. So that was really Do you nice. you like walk into the green room like, did you peasants have to audition? <laughs> I just got handed this. Yeah, like, sorry, motherfuckers, I've arrived. All right, can you can you tell these people not to look yeah, at me? Yeah, can you imagine? I... you imagine? Nah, um, I think, to be fair, I think everyone was sort of like, it was people that they'd seen before. Yeah. Like, so it was quite like, you know. But Joe, all fair fair play to Joe, he is someone that's like, he puts his money where his mouth is. He doesn't just rant on Twitter about wanting women. Mm-hmm. He actually d- does it and he yeah. uses them. He doesn't just say, oh, I love women. Yeah, you know, he doesn't actually do anything. The proof's in the pudding for people like him. I just wish more people were like Joe. Yeah. <laughs> God bless you, Joe. Love you, Joe. <laughs> Was, uh, were you involved in the writing of anything you were involved in? First just like a, t- a couple of tiny little lines on the day. So it wasn't <laughs> like I was part of the writing team in advance. It was more just on the day. Like there was a couple of lines I came up with. Like um, when I said to Susan in that sketch, you know, where she's like, wearing too much makeup and I'm like oh we've outlawed it and, and I call it a bobby a bobby daft boot <laughs> <laughs> and it was just like like we lines like that and I was like oh it's like you, you cock daft tart and you know we were like trying different variations yeah, yeah, of it yeah. and stuff and I love that because I love improvising and I love kind of just keeping it fresh and seeing what will come out next um, but I'm hoping that next time Joe's already mentioned 
so I'm, I'm talking about now, mentioned that I might be asked to come on the writing team um, for the series, mm-hmm. which would be brilliant. Now that I've said it, you have to hire me, man. I know. Don't do this to her, please. <laughs> I know. So that would be great, because I'd love to be behind the scenes a bit more and get to orchestrate like more of the jokes yeah. before like getting on set. So, But yeah, I think that Scotland just needs more new comedy, because Still Game has been amazing, but obviously nine series goes by, and yeah. I think it's time for something fresh. Something and fresh. Something for maybe a younger audience, and... Perhaps female from the outskirts of Edinburgh. The outskirts of Edinburgh. And you know what's funny about the state of it? My gran absolutely hated it. Really? And my gran is like, she, I call her gangster gran, because she can be like really nasty about certain things and then like slip you 20 quid. Yeah. So you feel a bit better about it. But it's like, she sat me down and she was like, I hated the state of it. What does she not like? She just, she just hated it. And I said, oh, did you at least watch my sketches? You know, fair enough you didn't like it, but you could at least say, oh, well, I think you're good. Or, you know, I'm yeah. fucking grand. Just lie to me. Just lie to me. But also, I feel like people can be so negative. And I feel like, would you ever go up to, you know, say if you didn't enjoy your meal in the restaurant, would you go would you go through to the back and go, fuck you, motherfucker. Yeah. Like, that was the worst meal I've ever had. You should be ashamed of yourself. Yeah. Or would you kind of just leave and go, I won't go back there. But there's <sighs> something about actors that people feel like they can just come up to you yeah. and go, you're shit. I know. You know? I think people from for a start might see you not as a real person because mm, to them maybe that, you are maybe this, that's true. You're this fictional entity that exists only yeah. on their screen yeah maybe but I think also in the social media do you know what I think about social media mm. I think <laughs> in like 10 years or 15 years we will look at it <coughs> as the way we look at smoking and well, just like oh my god like, what the fuck can't believe you fucking took part in that like, yeah, think, what you thought that was okay I, like, it, it's mental because that's it, a good way of looking at it actually it's, it's, it's damaging because yeah. that's another thing, like, I don't know if people have had consequence removed from their actions. Mm-hmm. For example, if you saw somebody and you thought they looked a bit of a state, you would never dream no. of going up to them on the no. street. But you see it on Instagram or Twitter and you'll say something. Mm-hmm. Because I think the personal, you're not looking somebody in the eyes yeah. and not yeah. seeing it. And it, and what for the most part, I think it's cowardly. But for another part, I think people are becoming a product to this. I suppose this environment, this landscape that's been created, is something we don't really know how to navigate. Yeah, like we're yeah. still kind of understanding the impact and the consequences that it have. Like you, you would never, as you say, walk up. It's no. rare that you go up to somebody and give them the abuse that you would dish yeah, out online. You're so right. Like, I'm going to yeah. start offering people square go. Like anybody that's cheeky, I'll just like either square go or shop. Aye, six pm, Glasgow uh, Central. Meet me there, and Aye. if you don't, you're a shite bag in that one. Aye, keyboard gangster, I'll get oh, back no. to work. Fuck, I can't fight, so like, see, some, <laughs> see somebody's like, yeah. I kill, I'll meet you there. Yeah, like, ah, damn it. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, no, I agree with you totally. It's, I love social media um, in terms of promoting yourself. Aye. I've had a lot of work from it, and you know, people start to see you on it and all that, and so it's great for being visible mm-hmm. in the industry and all that kind of stuff. But like you say, you're 100% right in terms of like how damaging it is and just how evil it can make people and I got one comment on Instagram. Just <laughs> someone just wrote "ugly as fuck," <laughs> and and I uh, I just wrote back or so. I don't think I, I I think I just did a tweet or something. So I just got called "ugly as fuck" by someone in year six who had an alien do a dab on their profile picture. <laughs> I said, "I'm meanwhile going first class to Singapore on Friday. Who's winning?" Aye. You know, when you're just like, call me ugly if you want. But, like, I'm fucking winning. Like, I'm winning at life, you little prick. Like, come on, a year six, like, having the guts to say to a 30-year-old woman, you're a fucking ugly bitch. I know. You know, it's just, like... Honestly, and it's it's such a cliche of an example, but if they had to look you in the eye, they would never say that. Fucking jizzing his pants if he met me in real life. (laughs) (laughs) A wee year six fucking... No, but you know what I mean? It's just, like unbelievable that people can have the guts just because they've got their little keyboard for mm-hmm. protection and their IP address they can change it or, I know it's pathetic I think I do think that it'll change over time um, it is this new thing although kids kids nowadays I don't they're know they're a different breed aren't they I think so and I think that will be because a lot of time there isn't consequence of what they do yeah, or say yeah scary man I feel like I'm so privileged to be uh, born 1987 Still considered a millennial, mm-hmm. uh, millennial. Yeah, is that the word? See, I don't even. Yeah. I don't like. I feel like because we're like the, you know, the last ones that got yeah. to grow up without computers. Didn't you know have MSN till we were like fourteen, fifteen? So I feel like we can live without phones and because yeah. we have. Yeah. And I feel like God, 
even you know I see kids now that are like this I sound so old I see kids now with their phones <laughs> but you know that way like that they're back just in yeah, back in my day MSN <laughs> BRB <laughs> I know if you wanted to get somebody's attention you had to sign in and, and out sign in and out and the person you fancy was last seen and it was all very exciting and you know the fact that you only got an hour before bed from your parents it was like an exciting thing to only have you know an hour it and you'd make like the most of it external no. thing you had to log into but now it does permeate everywhere it, like there's no escaping it no. it's just constant it's everywhere thing. and it's great like I say I do have love for social media I'm not on Facebook that's a step too far from me mm. I think Facebook's a grim I mean they say Facebook helped Donald Trump become president yeah with the it's dark as fuck like Cambridge Analytica yeah shit. like wait Disney princess are you <laughs> cut to oh, I'm president as well isn't it like, fucking, like I know promote like generating propaganda programs through like Terrifying. which Harry Potter character I know you? they're all specky bastards so it doesn't matter <laughs> <laughs> Um, I know, I, I love keep, that. I keep Facebook because I'm going to sound like such a gap year wanker, right? But I've got, I've got pals from yeah, so many no, countries. Yeah, no, it's true. It? It's definitely a good way of keeping in touch for with For Messenger them. and stuff. I actually yeah. used it, my gran, she's going to love this, well, both of them, my auntie Eileen and my gran. I kept it purely to keep in touch with them because they don't really yeah. WhatsApp as much. Yeah, that's like their go-to Aye, sort of website. Thing. So yeah. I like keep Messenger. And that's fair enough. I have heard that you can get rid of Facebook, but keep Messenger. Yeah, that's what my boyfriend's done. I so he doesn't I have a Facebook might, page. I think I might do, do that. it, man. Because come on, Facebook's lame in I terms know, of the like. Look at my kid, and there's like five hundred likes, so everyone feels famous. I That's know. the problem with social media. Yeah. You know, like I know people, even actors who've maybe got less of a following than me. Not that I've even got much of one, but you know, because they're on Instagram and they get three hundred likes, they think that means that they're some sort of Hollywood movie star. It's mental, isn't it? It's, it's I mean, crazy. See Sean Parker, the guy. Have you seen the Social Network? Oh yeah, I have. Yeah, so Sean yeah. Is that the was... one that was um, Andrew Garfield played him, or no, was it? That... Oh, Justin Timberlake. Justin yeah, Timberlake. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he founded Napster as well. Yeah, I say was involved in a couple of things, but he said recently because I watched his social network and started googling them all, and he said that I'm sure it was him, or maybe it was Dustin Moskowitz, whoever mm. it was. One of the founders said um, it, Facebook is one of the worst things to happen to humanity. <laughs> they, they played on the psychology of giving you that wee dopamine hit of oh. likes and then you keep going back for more. Oh, and it's we are, horrid. We are all susceptible to it, aren't we? And it's 100%. Like... And I don't claim to be above it because mm-hmm. I'm, on, I'm on Twitter and Instagram and I'm not going to lie when I see that a picture's done well or a post is done well. Yeah. Of course it makes me happy that people are responding to... And even David Mitchell said that recently, like the peep show guy. He was like, I feel like a sad bastard when I see that I've got like 400 likes. He's like... I love it, Aye. but like you know, it's of course at the end of the day we're all human. We all want love and attention and happiness. And yeah. So it's it is connected to that, but it's when they manipulate us yeah. into wanting it that's dark. It is like that, as you say, that digitized mm. manipulation of these sh- basic human needs uh-huh. yeah. for like uh, validation, uh, totally. acceptance. Totally, because I remember like when I first joined Twitter, and I'd be coming up with a few wee funny sort of jokes, like kind of um, what's that word? Uh, self, self. Like self-deprecating? Self-deprecating. Oh. And, you know, I thought we were really funny. And it'd be like, four likes. Oh. And you'd be like, what? And like then these people just don't understand my art. Yeah, they don't get it. But then, you know, as you get more followers, obviously you get a few more. But I think people are so tight for likes on Twitter these days. Have I you know, noticed just, that? They're fucking free. So fucking tight. Instagram, that's the place for getting likes. But Twitter, it's like, you know, you come up with something you think is pure viral. And it's like 40 likes. And that's I, it. I know. And I it know. dies. Because I did a I did a joke on Twitter. It was like a real thing that happened, and it was I was in Dublin, and uh, I was having dinner just by myself, and then my boyfriend texts me saying, "Up the ram means thank you." <laughs> 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 but thankfully, <coughs> I sussed him out before saying it right. because I'm because I'm I'm quite like gullible and you know I'm I'm very like manic and energetic so the waitress had been so good and at the end of the meal I was going to be like up the rack <laughs> and can you imagine like I mean I Dublin probably would be the right place they'd be like oh yeah, good I on you respond well to Belfast not Belfast like, fuck that you'd have your head chopped off really, yeah. yeah but you know and it was just so I did that as a tweet and um Celtic fans were loving it Irish people were loving it and it was getting to the point where I was like oh fuck it was on the point of it, it could go viral you know the ones that suddenly just overnight yeah but then it like stops it like I think it had like a hundred retweets and like eight hundred likes or something, and I was like, you know, these days that's fucking shite for a viral tweet. Uh, but I just thought that I thought that was going to be the tweet that did it. And it's like, like that's going to be your CV for just getting <laughs> stand-up yeah. shows. Like, like, well, I made. This. Well, I did a viral tweet <laughs> because a few comedians have had real good like luck with the viral tweets and all that, yeah. but not me yet. Not me. 
Keep plugging them in. Keep plugging up to Ra. Thanks for having me, Sean. We need to put out like a disclaimer at the end saying we do not endorse anything. <laughs> yeah. Maybe we do, but I can't be putting can't that be on saying podcast. It. Yeah, exactly. Um, other stuff you've worked in, two doors down. Yeah. Was it it a one episode? Yeah, it was one episode. I played the waitress last series. um, That seemed to be a fan favourite. She basically was just a complete deadpan. I played it because I always like to have like a note in my head of how I'm playing things. Mm -hmm. And on that job, because the the waitress was just very over it, and I just thought it'd be funny to play as if like this is her last day on the job. You know, like in your head where you're like, I'm fucking over it. Yeah, and it was almost like wanting to get fired. Like fucking do it then, do it. So that's how I played it. Just like (laughs) really. So it's like Elaine C. Smith like threatens to batter me at one point. She's like, oh, that way she's gonna get a fucking punch in the jaw because I'm just so like you know. There's always a level you can play it. I've been a bit you know, but I played it to the absolute extreme of it, Mm -hmm. and the fans really liked it. Like people were like, bring the waitress back and all that, and it was it was so nice because it's obviously just such a small part of quite a big show. And that could have that partly that so could easily be forgotten about, but everyone was loving the waitress, mm-hmm. so it was nice. It was nice. Did you also play a waitress in the Darren Brown thing? <laughs> yeah, I played the maid. So what? what the Scottish the, maid. What was the deal with that? Because again, it sounds bad that I've not seen it. But no, don't worry, it's a long time ago as well. I think it's was it? It was yeah, 20, 2011. Right. And it was um, Darren Brown, and I didn't even know I was auditioning for Darren Brown. Basically, Objective Productions had phoned me because my name had been put forward for it, right. and I didn't know who I was meeting. They just said it was very secretive and it was going to be like improv and ad libbing and all that. And I thought oh, that sounds like the project for me. I just got back from New York. I was a bit jet lagged. I'd taken, you know, those wee kind of almost like Red Bull shots, like the really intense uh-huh. like energy shots. I'd taken about seven of them because I just felt like shit. And I was in this like posh building in London, and then Darren Brown just stepped out the room, and because he's so like Rain Man, right. he was like Hi Richard Jackson, Hi, and he had obviously memorised all our names right, before aye. even meeting us, and it was like whoa, like tripped out, uh-huh. a bit jet lagged, and um, went in. So I was like fuck. So I was a bit paranoid because I'm like God. Darren Brown, like he could be hypnotising me without even realising mm-hmm. it. Sometimes I still have a weird moment where I'm like, maybe he's still watching me, man. Uh-huh. <laughs> you know, like he's Truman style, you. like uh-huh. Truman Show. Did you ever, have you ever had that? You thought your life was a Truman Show? No, I haven't actually. When I was wee, I was convinced. Really? I, was, I watched the film and like it got so much really? in my head. Really? Honestly, I was like eight, nine. And I was just like, these are all fucking in on this. Aye, because when you were young, I, it's like intense. I remember thinking it, being in Menorca and being like, have you paranoid wreck? Like, <laughs> like, everybody's looking at me. Like, this is it. Aye. You sound like quite a troubled child. No, I had quite a lovely childhood. Apart from that, because your family that. are listening, that's why. I know, I know, that's the only reason I'm saying that. Um, but yeah, we all had weird stuff like that. Aye. You know, I'm trying to think of mine. I think that's a real condition that people have thought that. that I'm sure there's a term for it. I could easily Google it, couldn't I? But I'm not going to, I can't be bothered. One of mine was... Um, when Aladdin came out, I was in like primary two or primary three, and I was obsessed with Jafar. I thought he was the sexiest man on the planet. Really? I was like, I just thought he was, because I was quite a, and I don't mean to sound like a freak, like, I think I was quite a sexual child, and I don't mean it like in a weird fucking uh-huh. way. I wasn't like shagging when I was in primary <laughs> three. I just mean I already had that, um, like, you know that game Kiss Cuddle Torture? Did yeah. you used to play that? Right. And I would pin the boys up and make them pick torture. And I was, like, really into, like, right. you know... Like, are we glimpsing into the next Are we glimpsing into... No, but I just mean, like, I think I was quite... And I, I, maybe this does make me sound like a pure freak, but I just feel like there's not many, like, girls in primary three that are, like, obsessed with the baddie in a Disney film. Mm-hmm. Like, to a point of, like, I just fantasise about meeting him and kissing him. And he's like a cartoon, fucking Disney villain. I fancy Jessica Rabbit. That that's probably a bit more normal <laughs> if it makes you feel any better. Uh, but at least she's like, anyone could look at her and go, yeah, she's sexy. Yeah. Whereas Jafar? I know. He's very know. camped as well. I don't very camp. Would, I don't think Yuri's tight. I don't think I'm as tight. Maybe I would be more But he did tight. fancy Princess Jasmine, so maybe I saw it as like... I think that was a cover. That was a cover, you're right. He fancied his little monkey pal, didn't he? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I but, just yeah. completely interjected by It's my... probably good because I'm probably going to sound like a pure freak saying that but hey we're being honest aye let's get it all on the table let's get but, it all out. aye Darren Brown so you went and met him yeah met him and then got the part which was really cool and um, it wasn't scripted at all so mm-hmm. he said I wanted, he wanted me to play the maid but there wasn't really like a premise it was just you're the maid in this hotel so basically he convinced this poor bastard that he'd killed someone and <laughs> yeah and I can tell you honestly because I know a lot of people doubt they go oh but he just uses actors and all that and it's like yeah he uses actors to manipulate the yeah. real person in the situation yeah. so yeah we were all hired as actors but that real guy went on this conference thinking he was doing like a fun work conference uh-huh. <laughs> sleepwalking woke up with a knife 
over a that dead body fucking twisted and like... led this poor guy into believing he'd done it oh my god and then we had to go and it was honestly probably the biggest acting challenge of my life because it's you only get one shot uh-huh. because you can't go in and go oh sorry I fucked that up I have to tell him again got to hypnotise him again so uh, he can go back well I suppose he could actually uh-huh. Darren Brown but I had to go in and Darren Brown thought it'd be hilarious if I came in and said there's been a murder oh, obviously yeah, I... you know yeah, yeah. and I said oh come on Darren typecast I was like oh it's a bit cheesy dead and then he was like you're saying it (laughs) like (laughs) so I had to come in and it was like as if he just well he he had just he'd come in from his morning coffee thinking he'd killed this man that is wild and then had to go straight into like the the day so everyone's doing like um, like a conference and he's sitting there and the camera zooms in and his face of like oh my god I've just murdered someone and then I come in and I go there's been a murder like there's a body out there we need to find out who's done it and this poor bastard sitting there shaking crying it was horrible <laughs> how it was horrible i can only describe it as horrible do, do you, you might not know these details but like how like it's not as if he put himself forward for that yeah like, yeah what, well this... he did you know how like on all his shows it's someone who's gone for another Denim brown project and they've been rejected so it's like or he's been led to believe he's been rejected right, but secretly for months they've been filming him his that family interviewing is, his friends that is nuts so I suppose he's only got himself to blame because he has uh, suggested himself for a damn brown thing if I was him I would be suing for emotional trauma well I mean the guy was so nice he was one of those guys that you would meet in any uh, avenue in life and you'd be like ah he's 70 he's like a nice guy uh, yeah. so I really did get the impression afterwards that he would be alright but I remember at the end we're all like the champagne opens and we're like woo you're not a murderer <laughs> and, and he was like, like just completely like a broken man, like. But then a few minutes later, obviously he starts to see the funny side. But I don't think I would. I'm too defensive. I'd no, be raging. I don't. I don't think I would see the funny side of that. Just no. purely because imagine thinking you had killed somebody. Well, you know how you have horrible and you're dreams. Going to prison. Where you've killed someone or whatever, and you wake up and you're like, for a, a good half an hour, it takes you a while to come out of it. Aye. But imagine not having that relief of it was a dream. Imagine walking around for days thinking I've killed someone. It's not it right. It also gives a glimpse into the, a person's psyche because obviously he's not handed himself in. Like well, not, he does at the end of the episode. But yeah, they, they build a fake um, police station, and then at the end, Darren Brown comes crashing through. <laughs> I, mean, I would have a, I would honestly have a heart attack yeah. on the spot. I'd be like, "That's me. I'm, I'm, I'm finished." I'm done. Yeah. So it's like it is pretty cruel, but uh, and I remember afterwards the poor guy because he was such a nice guy. I'm, I'm obviously pretending to be upset because I've just found a dead body. So I'm sitting there like that, like he like crouched over with a wee stick. Crouched over with a tear stick. This was the days before any tear stick existed. I'm like going into this dark place. He turns around, this poor guy, and he was like, "Are you all right? That must have been horrible finding the body and all that." Like he was trying to comfort me. Uh, because he thought, oh, she's really upset. He probably came out that looking really good then. Or, like a fucking sociopath, because <laughs> yeah, he's just killed this guy. Are you alright? I know, but yeah. Okay, no. So I feel like I've had some really interesting jobs over the years, like proper weird stuff. Yeah, and you've also essentially time-travelled, because you had a feature part in Outlander. Yeah, time travel back to the 60s. Because when I first auditioned for Outlander, I assumed, I thought, oh my Wait, God. did you say the 60s there? Yeah, the 60s. Is that, oh, so it, was your part in the 60s? Yeah. Okay, right. Yeah, because you know how most of it's like 1800s and uh-huh. all that. So when I got the, the audition through, I thought, oh, brilliant, I'm going to get to like look like a pure Highlander. Yes. And then it was like um, the 1960s, so like they flash forward. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but I still kind of look like a Highlander because it's so, it was so old-fashioned back then and then... Um, in, in like the particular pub that I was yeah. meant to be performing at, but uh, that was a good laugh because I got to wear a big brown wig because I'm I do a lot of like um, modern stuff and I've got like my tattoos and you know my jewellery yeah. and like my roots and my hair and all that and I turned up and I had my acrylic nails on and honestly it's just in the makeup woman's face when I turned up to Outlander as if like we are gonna have a fucking <laughs> like hard time getting you to look like you're you know. I know a guy that funny. works or I don't know if, I don't think he still does but he previously worked on Outlander. Oh, yeah. And how's this for a story, right? I want to tell this. And forgive me if I bore you, but there yeah. is a point to it, right? Yeah. So, back in 2015, in like June, I was in Barcelona airport and I was flying to Rome. Yeah. And they kept changing the gate from gate one to gate 50, back to gate 150. Right, okay. And I saw this guy with like a backpack and he looked stressed. So I went over and I was like, all right, mate, are you flying to Rome? And he's like, yeah, what's going on? And I said, yeah. like, stick with me, I'll keep you right. So he turned out to be from... California, and he was travelling about, and he's like, oh yeah, I'm going to Scotland as well, I'm going to see my buddy, I was like, alright, cool, so I says, like, just stick with me, yeah. and I'll keep you right, and I says, do you know where you're going when you get to Rome, and he's like, no, I've, I've no idea, so I says, right, I'll meet you after the flight, 
and yeah. you can get the train in, oh, the, that's nice, get yeah. the bus in with me, because you need to get the bus from uh, Rome from Machino Airport, it's quite far out, and we were landing at like two in the morning, yeah. so we've got there, and his case has been lost. Oh, for God's sake. So the bus has only got 20 minutes to go, and then that's the last bus until oh, like no. seven o'clock in the morning. Poor guy's honestly having a heart attack, so I just made the decision, I was like, look mate, I'll stick with it. That is really nice of you. I am. A, I don't amazing, think I would have done that. <laughs> amazing person. Anyway, so... I'd be like, good luck! <laughs> I, gotcha. So, stayed him anyway, we got the, we got a taxi into Rome, and it is quite far, and we dropped him off at his hostel. Now, by this point, the battery in both our phones had died, but he's like, tell me your name, and I like, no, I said to him, tell me your name, and I'll send you a message on Facebook, we'll meet up for a beer or whatever. Forgot his name straight away. Yeah. So that's it, right? So this is Friday night. Monday morning, I'm walking down uh, the Vatican at St. Peter's Square, and I went to walk through uh, like a wee doorway, like a, basically like a wee gate, and head down and banged into this guy and looked up, and it was the guy from no the plane. Way. So we're like, oh, no fucking way, that's, yeah. that's crazy. Yeah. So we went for lunch. Yeah, that's mad. I know. Gets madder. Oh, my God. So we went for lunch, and um, we're chatting away and all that, and he's like, He's like, oh my god, why am I impersonating him? He's like, oh, he's like, oh my god, like, I'm sorry, but I've forgotten your name. I was like, it's fine, I've forgotten yours yeah. as well. I went, it's Sean. And he went, oh, my buddy in Scotland, his name's Sean McDonald. So I was like, no way. What? I know, right? And I was like, that is bizarre. Like, what that is, is really weird. It gets even weirder. <laughs> right? so, I'm like, how can I? I know. So, so that's not something like, he's telling me, he's like, yeah, he works for the BBC. He's like, does production and stuff. He's, I'm sure he's like, he's worked on Outlander and whatever. And uh, I don't know if he'd worked in Outlander at this point. So that was mad. So I think I just kind of left it at that. And like a year and a half later, one of my best pals, Stuart Anderson, if you're listening, he phoned me and he's like, you will never believe this. So about a year previous, right, Stuart had met an American girl on a flight somewhere in like yeah, Europe yeah. or America. I think he met her on a flight to New York and they kind of stayed in touch. Yeah. So she moved to Scotland and she invited Stuart to a party. Stuart went to this party and it turns out that her best friend was the American Sean McDonald. So we're like, so I've met Sean's pal in Rome. No. Stuart has met Sean's pal on a flight in America. There's still a couple as well, uh, Stuart and Lauren. So we're like, and this is just mad. So then even a a wee while down the line, like my pal Mark was an extra, an outlander. And he's like, by the way, I met this guy called Sean McDonald on set. How mad is that? And I was like, I fucking know this guy. Like, this is. Oh my god! I actually still not met him, even though he's met all my pals, and he's all, he's not far. How? It's like you know those moments of life where you're like, nah, something's at play. Exactly. Something's that's what at I, play. That's what I thought as well. It has to be. Um, it's it's how mad is it? Yeah, it's like one of those. You, I think you get a few of them in your life, don't you? That are like Aye. you just can't explain it. Aye. You With know. Like, Sounds like you're bullshitting. Like, I know. What I mean, you know, I mean, like, when we when we say stuff like that, people are like, no. You would honestly think that was made up. Yeah, totally. Um, he lives in like Mary Hill, and he's from. I'm sure Mary Hill. Like, <laughs> I, I know it's so funny. funny. So it's like Los Angeles, but I know he's he's worked on Outlander. Yeah. He might find this strange me telling this story, but I remember cracking. You're welcome. Up. <laughs> I remember people cracking up because he didn't think it was as mental as I did. Oh, really? But then again, maybe he didn't know all the details. Yeah. How I, met, how I physically bumped into... In the Vatican City, like I the know. most dramatic place on earth. I know, and the two of us were like, whoa. It's crazy. Um, aye, so that, that, that was really, really bizarre. Um, is Outlander, is it, is it like a, a rite of passage for Scottish actors? I think so. I think because it's almost like, remember in Extras when Ricky Gervais, you know, they're like, you haven't done the boo? <laughs> yeah, you haven't yeah, done yeah. the boo? <laughs> So, uh, so it feels like that a bit. So I apologise to any <laughs> Scottish actors who listen to this who've not been in it yet, but you will have the chance. You'll get your chance. You will, because I think it's going to—it's so popular. It's going to go on for—I think it's going to go on for like for about fifteen series or yeah. something. Like honestly, it will. So I feel like everyone's got the chance to do it. But yeah, so it did feel cool. It felt like one of those yeah, right passages, like casualty or whatever for an right. English actor. So um, yeah, it was really good fun, and um, yeah, it was—I was only on it for one day, um, but it was a great laugh, and it paid pretty well as well. So not bad. <laughs> it was nice. I wouldn't mind a wee shot in that, but I don't think I would fit in quite that. Well, thing. hey, you know, there's already a Sean McDonald on it. I know, Why exactly. not? Bring another one on. Exactly. I went for, um, like, oh, this was like 11, 10 years ago, when Peter Mullen was doing meds. Oh, and yeah. they had, like, an open casting. Yeah. And I actually saw it on, in, like, a paper in an Evening Times um, as I was getting the train into town. Yeah. And I was like, fuck it, I'm going to walk in here and see what they say. 
I think I lasted 10 seconds they laughed me out and they were like you don't look as if you're from oh, really? like, like, like Glasgow in the yeah, 60s like, yeah. you look a bit too dark but they got me in as an extra Peter Mullen if you're listening you owe me 100 quid because they got <gasps> me in as an extra never paid me oh my god and well, that's not his like, fault, because, but someone's to blame for that. Somebody you could still get that. I know. It was for like eight in the morning. No, that's not right. Like that's eight not right. It, and do you know what? Because it was raining. That's unbelievable. For continuity, we didn't even film. Do you remember the, the extra agency that it was? Um, because you could, you could honestly get that. I bet you I could find it. You could get that. I mean, Because there'll be proof. Surely you had to sign something that day. Because if you're on a film set, even, even as an extra, Aye. you have to kind of like sign your rights away that you don't mind being in it. Uh-huh. So there must be proof that could be led yeah, back will, to you getting paid be for some. that. Because that's outrageous. With interest, you oh, yeah. pay not see for your cheek, £1,000. <laughs> what a tube. I thought you were going to be like, £1 million. <laughs> you know? I'll get my money back. I'll give that's crazy. Get. I know. I did one job like that as well. I was playing Mary Queen of Scots. It was for the National Trust of Scotland. Um, I did it and it was like basically they called up uh, Lyceum Youth Theatre mm-hmm. they were like is there anyone that looks like they could even look a little bit like Mary Queen Scott so they put my name forward they even made me dye my hair for it like it was all you know yeah. it was like one of those like four washes and it comes out but still it's quite commitment for a 17 year old actress uh-huh. and I did it and I got £50 cash in hand they took me for a chippy lunch and I felt like a movie star playing <laughs> Mary Queen Scott but then a few weeks later they asked me back for another day's filming then they never paid me for that one and because you're 17 you don't think to say Hi. you're just like so grateful and well, I, I thank know. you like a wee Victorian chimney sweep like yeah. all apologetic ringing your cap and I all know. that like oh thanks for thank, having me thank you thanks Mike thanks for the opportunity sir um, <laughs> that was kind of me but like, you know you, you look back and you're like that's outrageous and they didn't pay me for I that be, work I would be kicking doors down now but as I, I, be, as I was I think I was 17 as well but still I think you should trace that back I do do you know what I think I might you I should think I might. you should um is there anything else that you've, that's, you want to promote or mention? Um, I think it's just like a little goldfish. Please come. It's really funny. It's daft. It's wild. I'll come. I'm going to come. Oh, down. good. Thank you. Um, yes, yeah, so it's at Blackfriars. And obviously, Rachel Jackson and Friends, which is my new night. And it's the first night tonight, actually. Is it? What time is it now, by the way? Are we uh, all right? Shit, it's 25 to 8. Oh, we're fine. It starts at half 8. Celtic's <laughs> kicking off in 10 minutes. Oh, perfect. So, <laughs> so good. So <laughs> I remember you said that earlier. Because I just cause I can, we can just talk and talk. Can you imagine if it was like half 8? And... Um, yeah, so basically, the last Wednesday of every month, it's called Rachel Jackson and Friends. It's at the Tron Theatre. It's a comedy night. There's me and three other comedians every every month. Mm. Um, and it's just like funny comedians trying out new stuff. Yeah. And um, and that's about it, really. Everyone go and see Beats when it comes out in May. Um, yeah, but that's it, really. Magic. Well, thank you so much for your time. This has been really great fun. Oh, thank you. It's been it's been a good laugh. And the other Sean McDonald, if you're listening, don't let it freak you out, man. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry about that, Sean. And, hey, Seanny boy. <laughs> Thanks very much for listening. I hope you enjoyed listening as much as I enjoyed recording it. And a big thanks to Rachel for being kind enough to give up her time and for providing an excellent conversation. Um, If you enjoyed it, feel free to tell somebody if you think they might like it as well. If you think they'll hate it, don't tell them because why would you do that? Um, I'll be back very soon. And since he got a wee impromptu mention earlier on in the podcast, the outro song is dedicated to the recently departed ex-Celtic manager and his backroom staff. Cheers, see you next time. Oh, fuck you.